Warning, this podcast contains mature themes, coarse language, and hella spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Love and Horror, a podcast about opposing film genres and the women who love them. I'm Deanne, and I love horror. And I'm Laura, and I love romance and drama. Welcome to episode 39 of Love and Horror. One away from the milestone. I feel like every 10 is like a good milestone. Yeah, I like that for, for like everything. It's like, ooh, nice even number. So yeah, yeah, we're getting there. That is exciting. Another remote one. Yeah, we're kind of slowly working out the kinks there. So we'll get there. You should see the setup on my desk right now. I've got, I was going to get a tripod and then I remembered that I had bought this phone holder thing that's like a, on a long bendy thing and it's all got suction cups all along the one side okay and the suction cups do not suck oh so I, I was trying to like stick it to my desk and stuff but I've got this big heavy like desk lamp on the desk in front of me so I just wrapped it around that and it's working really good but good. it's not elegant looking set up here oh yeah I, I've got like cables and cords and everything all over the place but that's okay yeah and I never use this desk this is where my husband hangs out so uh it's a little chaotic well (laughs) I have made it chaotic he keeps it like neat and tidy and is very particular about it so you're welcome Todd (laughs) how's your week been um it's been good I just got back uh this morning I went and recorded a little like advertisement maybe I don't know if I said on the podcast, but in January, I won this like ridiculously huge prize pack from our local um, car insurance co- uh, company in the province. And it was like this like winter prize pack kind of thing, like for winter safety. And so I got this like huge, like 72 hour emergency kit where it's like all this like first aid and like uh, jumper cables and like a tow rope and like all this like crazy safety stuff. And then on top of that, I got... Um, like gift cards for like gas and like uber amazing stuff for cars i got my plates paid for for a year and then um they call or they emailed me like a couple weeks ago and they were like hey so the they want to do it was like an an ad uh agency that i was working with and they were like we uh they want to run another contest so we want to use like your experience to kind of like bump up this contest So they're like, can we record a little like spot with you? I was like, yeah, okay. So I went to the office today and they like filmed a little like kind of interview about like, how has this changed your life since you won? And like, tell us how you won and everything. And then we like shot a little video of that and they're going to do it for like the social media. They're going to put it out that way. And then she said that the uh, insurance agency like wants to put some money behind it quote unquote so she says she's gonna like they're gonna like put it like on television as well so I'm going to be on television (laughs) and then she said um and then because you know you've used your your time to come here today and do this they want to um like compensate you in some way too they're just working on a compensation package for it and it's like you've already given me five thousand dollars worth of stuff but if you want to like compensate me for something else too you can do that absolutely They've certainly taken enough of ours over the years. Yeah, this is true. I was sitting in the one office, like, waiting for her to, like, get set up. And there was, like, in the corner, there was, like, a whole stack of iPads. And they must use it for, like, 
I don't know if it was for another contest or if like everyone in the in the office is like switching to iPads, but I was like, you could just give me one of those iPads. <laughs> I'll just take that. <laughs> Definitely. Why not? Yeah, um, so I don't know if my compensation, if they're going to like send me money or like a fruit basket or whatever, but I, I am like, just like, let me get like my grabby hands on anything, like anything you want to give me, I'll take. If it's free, it's for me. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's why I entered the contest in the first place, because I like got my car fixed and then they gave me like, you know, my bill and, and like kind of like, here's all the things we did to your car. And they're like, oh, here's this thing from SGI. You can like enter a contest if you want. And so I got home and I was like, all I have to do is post like a picture with like their special hashtag. Like I can do that. Easy. And then I got a awesome. bunch of stuff. I love how we've just become each other's like designated tag a friend anytime there's a contest on inter yeah. Instagram or something where it's like tag a friend and you'll be entered to win. We just know that we can tag each yeah. other. Yeah. It's like I will always tag you for all the things because I enter all the contests because gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, that's exciting. I can't wait to see you on TV, which I don't watch. <laughs> yeah, I was... I was super excited for that too. I was like, yeah, I'll like see myself on TV. And it's like, no, you won't. You don't have cable. What? My parents have cable and they have to tell me about every commercial that's ever on. Oh, this commercial for gummy bears and it's so obnoxious and I'll never buy those gummy bears now. And <laughs> Okay. They're like, I don't watch much TV and what I do is on the PVR. So we fast forward. <laughs> yeah. I always feel like I sound so snobby saying that like, I don't watch TV. And it's like, not out of any like I've got better things to do with my time it's because I'm on the fucking internet like let's be real I'm watching YouTube videos which is the same thing yeah like even when I had cable I like never watched it because all I ever watch is YouTube I'm only ever on YouTube like I might switch to Netflix or like Amazon Prime the odd time but for the most part it's just YouTube we still have cable, but very limited, um, like the smallest, like micro or whatever. Yeah. And we watch like three shows. And even at that, like if it were just me, I'd get rid of it entirely. Like, sure, I'll watch these shows because they're on and I don't mind them. But if they didn't exist in my life, I wouldn't miss them for a second. So. Yeah, there's a couple of shows that I miss. Like, I definitely miss Jeopardy, obviously. Um, and then I really like law and order so i miss not being able to watch law and order um but like clearly i'm not dying so right we watch um we watch law and order svu i yeah. don't like the new organized crime one that like brought stabler back for oh i didn't even know there was a new one well see how much you're missing out right I, I know nothing yeah they brought stabler back and now he's got his own show but it's so over the top melodramatic I just I just yeah um I knew Stapler was coming back but I thought it was just like to be on SVU they cross over all the time I guess yeah we watch SVU and then we watch um NCIS LA okay. which is ending this year so that'll be one less and then we watch Blue Bloods on Friday nights which so it's all the same kind of like crime drama yeah, shows yeah um, but even I get a little tired of that my Todd has some 
others that he watches in that same kind of genre. There's this whole trio of shows, Chicago Med and oh, Chicago, yeah. Chicago Fire. And he really likes all those ones. So sometimes I'll sit down and watch them with him too. But that's really what we watch on, on the TV. Yeah, the last time I watched um, uh, Law & Order, like when I still had cable, was kind of like as shows were like, they had kind of just started recording like during kind of like the 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 end of like the first wave of the pandemic because I remember like everyone on Law and Order were like wearing masks as they were like in the office and whatnot and I was watching it and I was like yeah Law and Order like it's back like we're getting back to normal blah 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 and then I was like I felt weird about watching it because I was like wait a second I love this show but like also a cab so I feel <laughs> weird watching it <laughs> but I still love it so I don't know <laughs> So I had you watch Kissing Jessica Stein. Yes. From my fabled, fabled stack of VHSs back in the early 2000s. <laughs> Did you know anything about it? Um, I knew that it was the movie that like you were always, not always talking about. It's not like every single time we got together, you're like, so there's this movie. But you definitely like brought it up a couple of times. Like, oh yeah, here's this movie I love. And and even, like, back when we first met, you're like, I think you should watch it. And I was like, yeah, I'll get right on that. So, <laughs> so finally, you know, like, however many years later, you're like, ha-ha, sucker, I got you to watch it. But I, I didn't really know, like, what it was about or anything. I think maybe you had told me once about how it was, like, a woman goes out with, like, another woman for the first time or something, maybe. So I kind of had, like, a rough idea that there were, like, topics including lesbianism but that's about all I knew I'm interested I I haven't watched it for years so just watching it the other day again and I don't I, my feelings are still very similar for it but like I'm a little bit more aware of some opinions that might be had about this movie okay so I can start talking about them so um but for now I'll tell you it was released in 2002 this is the first like I think I think this is the first like quote-unquote indie movie that I've picked for you. I know some of the horror are more in the indie kind of realm, but this this is an indie movie. Okay. Uh, it was written by Jennifer Westfeld and Heather Jurgensen, who play um, Jessica and Helen, the main characters. Oh, okay. Um, directed by Charles Herman Wormfeld and starring Jennifer Westfeld and Heather Jurgensen. Uh, and I'm going to say her last name wrong, but Tova Feldsha, I think is how you say her that's, last name that's how I pronounce her name I recognized her as Deanna from The Walking Dead oh um and that role was written specifically for her oh cool they were such a good fit as mother and daughter they, anyway, they really were yes it has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 83% with an audience score of 65 and a meta score of 72 with 7.9 user um I don't have their because it's an indie movie, there's not a lot of reviews even or anything out there. But Ebert did give it three stars. Okay. And the one kind of summary that I found was, it's a little trite, but refreshing and comical spin on the nature of love. Yeah. So I do have a few fun facts. Not many, but a few. Mm -hmm. Why don't you give me a synopsis first and then I'll see if it's in later. Okay. So Jessica Stein is a good Jewish girl from upstate New York. She works at a newspaper and has been single for far too long. Some people think she's too picky, 
but she just doesn't want to settle. One day she answers a personal ad that quotes a Rainier Maria Rilke poem. Jessica knows a woman posted the ad, but she loves Rilke and decides to go and meet the sexy, vivacious, bisexual Helen for a drink. They have chemistry, but Jessica is very cautious and proceeds slowly. They keep the truth of their relationship a secret, letting friends and family believe Helen is just Jessica's friend. Sick of lying of the, about their relationship, Helen breaks things off a week before Jessica's brother's wedding. Jessica finally comes out, as it were, to her very supportive family, and the women attend the wedding as a couple. In an extended denouement, Helen and Jessica stagnate, break up, but remain friends. Jessica goes out with her old flame slash former boss, Josh, gotten the gay out of her system. Get out the gay. <laughs> That's pretty succinct. Just wait till you hear my synopsis when it comes my turn. <laughs> so this, this was released in 2002, which means it was filmed kind of 2001-ish. So this oh. New York, 2001. So there are some shots that were edited out of the movie because they had the World Trade Center in the background. And I feel like that's a, a common thing for movies shot in, in New York around that time frame. So this was another casualty of that. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. I didn't really even, like, think about that. I wasn't 100% sure what year we were looking at. So I didn't really, I wasn't, like, keyed into that. But that's interesting. Yeah. Very early 2000s. Anyway, I will let you take it away and tell me all your... Deepest, darkest, gayest thoughts, and, uh, <laughs> and I'll hit the other ones in where I can. I have so many deep, dark, gay thoughts. Where to start? So I'll start in the same place that so many of our movies start. Jazzy jazz in New York City. Beep, bop, beep, billy, beep, bop, 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 doop, 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 doop. That's, that's how these movies start. All of them, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, actually, as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, this is another... New York set rom-com like yeah there's definitely um there's a theme <laughs> yeah right so another uh best supporting actor goes to New York City itself so I had a hard time like taking notes with this because I feel like everything happened so fast in this movie like everyone yeah. was talking really fast and like this scene and this scene and I was just like watching and caught up in it and then I was like uh I've taken like two lines of notes in a half an hour like what is happening here this might be our shortest episode ever because my notes are very much the same I'm like I don't even know what to write <laughs> so um I liked all the uh sort of bad dates that Jessica goes on in in one point and they kind of like mash them all together and it's like there's the guy that I use big words but I use them all incorrectly and then the guy who has to like We'll go Dutch on this, but, you know, you ate, like, one leaf of salad more than I did, so you have to pay five cents more. And um, it's the, I think it's the owner of the comic book store in uh, in the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, there's a couple um, famous faces in, or famous adjacent faces in those blind date scenes. Um, one of them, Jim J. Bullock, does that name mean anything to you? Can't remember which date he is now, but he he was on... Um, too Close for Comfort, which was like know. a 90s. I used to watch it all the time. And he was on Hollywood Squares. He was one of the squares. Oh. And then another one uh, in the series of Bad Blind Dates was John Hamm. Oh, but like not in like the, not in like the, like the restaurant set blind dates. Yes. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah. The the scene with John Hamm is when they're at like a, a group, like a dinner party kind of date. 
Um, but that was one of John Hamm's first roles. And he and Jennifer Westfeld were dating at the time. They were together for a long time, I guess. Oh, cool. I noticed his name came up in um, like in the opening credits, which after I watched the whole movie, I was like, it's weird that you're in the opening credits because you're in one scene. But I was like, oh, John Hamm is in this. Like, awesome. Don Draper himself. Looking forward to it. Did you watch Mad Men? Look at the way my entire life is styled. Of course, I watched Mad Men. Yeah, I mean, I love that that time period and aesthetic, too, but I've just never, never gotten around to watching it. It's on my list of I should watch this someday. Yeah, I, I quite liked it. Because of how I am as a person, I didn't finish the series. Um, I just, like, there's so many things where I was just like, oh, one season left or, like, one episode left? I'll watch that later. And then I just never did. But I quite like it. Like, I've been meaning to get back to, to watching it, but life yeah it's like there's one episode left in the last of us that i haven't watched yet um have i watched it nope I, i'm sure you know <laughs> i'll get to i feel like it's going to be a little emotionally destroying so i haven't watched it yet but i mean that that's a fair motivation um there's a show that i watched a few years ago quite a few, maybe like five or so years ago now called the last man on earth and it's got it's Bill Hader and Kristen Schaal and uh, January Jones is in it. And it's such a good show. But when I was watching it on like Netflix or wherever, I think it was Netflix. Um, it only had seasons one, two and three. And there was a fourth season, but it hadn't been put on the streaming service. I think it had played like in real life, but in, in, real, like, life. in real life. But and I was like could not wait for season four to get uploaded so I could binge it too. And it might be, it might not be. I have no idea because I've completely forgot. Every once in a while, I'll be like, I should see if I can see season four. And now I'm like, it's been so many years, I'll have to watch all the seasons again. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's the same. It's like, I was so invested. And then it's like, oh yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, I know. There's just, I mean, we're just like spoiled for choice. It's like, there's so much to watch. I can't, I can't even like keep it all straight. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so I, I enjoyed all the all the ridiculous dates that, like, later she gets called out for being picky. And it's like, well, look at these fucking guys. Would you date them? No. So then we kind of switch gears and we see what, like, Helen is all about. And not being familiar with this with this movie, really, I didn't know who was in this movie. So I didn't have, like, an image in my head about, like, oh, that person's going to, like be an important part of the of the movie or whatever so the first time we see helen she's like at her art gallery and and she's like organizing things but then a quote-unquote delivery guy comes and it's just like her side piece or whatever so they go into the go into like the back room and they're making out and then she comes back out and there's like some other guy that she's like making plans with or whatever so i just wrote black leather jacket lady is a freak <laughs> Turns out black yep. black leather jacket lady has a name and we'll see her again in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So I did not know this was an indie film. So there were some scenes where I was like, this seems like a regular movie. And then there were some scenes where I was like, this seems a bit more low budget kind of thing. So I just wrote, this is the cheapest, weirdest L word reject. <laughs> I forgot to look up the budget. Oh. When we break. I'll look it up and I'll... Okay. But she would not look up what the budget was when we took a break. 
So Deanne looked it up for her, and editing Deanne is here to say that the budget was a whopping $1 million, and it went on to make $10 million. And then, you know, it's, it's so it was recorded in 2001, so it's like this early 2000s thing, and Jessica's reading the newspaper at work, and they're like, oh, look at all these, like, personal ads, and, like, look at this one, this person's looking for this, and this is where they read the the ad from Helen, where she quotes the, the Rilke poem. And then after her co-workers leave her cubicle, she like very sneakily like picks up the paper and then like sets it down on her desk and kind of like side eye, like reads the, the ad. And it's like so sneaky, like don't tell people I'm like looking at personal ads. They'll think I'm some kind of weirdo. And now it's like, you met your partner just like in real life. They could be a serial killer. That's fucking weird. You talked to them at a bar? Right? Ew. What's wrong with you? Why did you leave your house? Ew. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to have texted for at least a week before I'll meet you in person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a fact that I have that kind of ties it to your previous comment about the low budget. So there's a scene where when Helen and Jessica first meet and they get into a cab mm -hmm. and they're talking about lipstick colors. Yeah. That scene, literally the filmmakers hailed a cab, gave the cabbie 20 bucks, and like the director was in the front seat. The sound person crawled into the trunk, <laughs> just filmed it in a random cab on a New York street. Oh, I love that. I feel like that is such a, like a, a New York moment. Like, I feel like that, I feel like New York cabs have probably seen everything. Oh my God. Yes. I was laughing. I'm like, it's like guerrilla filmmaking. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love that though. I do enjoy that. So they go to uh, Helen's coworker throws a dinner party. And this is where we see John Hamm. And it's like uh, her coworker and her partner. And then uh, Helen and, or not Helen, um, Jessica. And then this guy that they're like trying to set her up with, who turns out he has a girlfriend. And then um, also her boss and his, like, ditzy girlfriend or whatever. And um, her boss is, like, so they used to go out for a little while. And then plus he, uh, like, knows her, her uh, brother because they went to school together. And it's, like, her boss is that kind of guy who is, like, oh, he just, like, he teases you because he likes you. Or, like, he's, like, a complete fucking asshole to you because he likes you. Like, he was, like, so yeah. biting and snarky to her. It's like, gee, so, I wonder why she broke up with you. Yeah. In the end, I mean, you already said in your synopsis that they get together in the end. Yeah, I have big thoughts about his revelation that he loves her and or, like, his, his self-realization that he loves her. And, yeah, we'll get to that yeah. later. But. Yes, yes, we will. So I just wrote, holy fuck, that dinner party. That Josh guy is such a dick. Nice use of Nais Nin, though, and properly pronounced. So I'll give you double points for that. <laughs> so Jessica finally actually, like, contacts Helen. She's like, hey, I saw your personal ad or whatever. And I was, like, really surprised at how, like, she went from, like, oh, I kind of, I like this, this ad to, like, yes, I will contact a woman because I haven't had a date with a man in, like, a year or whatever. I was like, wow, that's very bold of you. Right. Very Especially, like. 20 something years ago. Yeah, absolutely. So they're kind of, they're like walking through the streets of somewhere in New York, Manhattan, I don't know, somewhere. Sort of like they have 
like a, a drink and then they're like, oh, let's go get Indian food. And they're just kind of like walking around talking. And Helen brings up the concept of sexy ugly. Yes. I used to talk, you know, it's so funny that I was watching this and I'm like, yes, that's where that came from. Because me and some friends used to talk about sexy ugly all the time. <laughs> I've never heard that phrase. And so then they started like naming off like, oh, Angelica Houston and... There were a couple other like male actors that they mentioned. They're like sexy, ugly. And I was like, I feel bad if like any of those actors watch that movie because it's like sexy, but ugly. Oh, <laughs> I feel kind of actors like Lyle Lovett was one that they mentioned. I mean, I think Lyle Lovett probably understands his place in the world as sexy, ugly. I mean, he married uh, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Yes. Uh, so, you know, he's OK. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I guess, I mean, maybe because, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I am not a celebrity. Not, uh, not yet. Let me do my, let me do my TV ad and then, you know, I'll be a celebrity. But I feel like if I, if someone were to say to me like, hey, um, you're kind of like sexy ugly. I'd be like, cool. Okay. I'm just going to go kill myself. Is that okay? Well, I think I'd maybe be like, oh, I'm sexy. I mean, I knew the ugly part already. <laughs> Yeah, I'd I'd be like flattered. It, you know, it's to me, it's like it's like a it's like a backhanded thing. It's like, wow, you're really pretty for a fat chick, and it's like you could have just stopped it. You're really pretty. Yeah, it totally is a backhanded. <laughs> so then they're they're talking when they're in the cab and with their like gorilla filmmaking, and they're talking about their lipstick, and it's like, oh well, I start with this Mac, and I do this one, and I do this one, and they're like got to blend the lipstick you have to blend it you'll never find the one you always have to blend and it's like I believe that's a metaphor very astute so then they finally get to the Indian restaurant and I want to go to that Indian restaurant right now yes please it like the food looks delicious and then also just like the ambiance it's like can I please yeah. go there I will go with you. excellent let's do it right now and <laughs> stop they're arguing about Hare Krishnas and whether they, like, have a right to just exist without, like, having a job and, like, a nine-to-five and, you know, paying bills and rent and stuff. And it's like, they're just vibing. Just let them vibe. And and uh, Helen is very, like, pro-vibing. And, uh, and Jessica's like, no, they have to, like, be corporate and, like, do what I do or else it's not right. You need to be contributing to society. Yes, contributing to society. That's That's what she says. Um, so anyway, they go back and forth and it kind of seems like, oh, I guess this isn't going to work out. And then they kiss and it's like, wow, Jessica, like first, first time, like going on a date with a lady and you're already kissing her. Like, look at you. So Jessica goes back to, to work on Monday and you can just tell she's like, I'm, I had a great weekend and I'm like, I'm like in a, in a good like headspace. I'm all like a Twitter um, and so she like sits down at her keyboard and she's like doing her work at the clickiest keyboard ever. Like, it's like, whoa, lady. Do you know that there are people that like strive for that? There are people who design keyboards to make different no kinds of noises. Like, of course, this is a TikTok thing that I have yeah. stumbled upon. I knew it was a thing before, but yeah, I found a, a couple people on TikTok who like, they're very specific words on how the this keyboard is funky and this one is tacky and this one is like yeah um and they'll like build keyboards from the ground up to make these specific kinds of you i can't remember what the the 
like little receptacle things are called but like if you combine this one with this kind of a key it'll make this kind of a noise and yeah so people have very loud keyboards on purpose wow i never would have guessed that that would be like like a, a desired thing because i had like my uh, keyboard on my laptop here plus the one for work is like soft keys or whatever like it's very like smooth like the keys are like barely raised above like the keyboard it's all very like I, I could not imagine having a, an extra clicky on purpose keyboard. I have a little bit of, well, I don't have an on purpose clicky keyboard, but I have my laptop is the same way as the soft keys and it's very, very quiet. But then I have a, like an actual keyboard. I, when I go to the office, I dock my computer into a docking station and then I use like a, an actual mouse and keyboard. And my keyboard is very clicky yeah noisy. yeah I don't even think like I feel like my work keyboard isn't clicky at all but there was one time because I work from home and I was like just about done for the day and my sister was over because we were going to do something right after work or whatever so I was like just come whenever you'll just have to like let me work for a half an hour yet and so I was working and she was just sitting on the couch like you know five feet away from me and she was like is your keyboard always that loud and I was like I didn't even realize it was loud she was like all I can hear is clicking yeah I'm often it's so funny because there are so many sounds that I'm like hyper aware of and uh, a keyboard clicking is never something that's bothered me and in fact like when I'm like working hard and typing a lot like I feel very like productive if I can hear my keyboard clicking away Mm, yeah it's like however when I was walking around Walmart this morning and I could hear something beeping in that corner and something making a noise in this I was like gonna lose my mind like had to get out (laughs) that reminds me of like this one time like okay this is such a tangent but I like think about it all the fucking time um my mom was like the kind of person who she was a Karen I will just say it my mom was a fucking Karen and um she kind of like instilled this like demand good customer service values in my sister and I which yes but you don't have to be like a fucking asshole about it there's still people (laughs) yeah exactly yeah like there's still people like just get over it here so there was one time we were at mcdonald's and we were gonna like sit in and eat our meal and like you go to mcdonald's and like the kitchen is all kind of like open to the dining room and there's like a lot going on back there because it's fucking mcdonald's so it's like this like fry thing is like beeping and like this thing has a buzzer going off to say like this is done and like this is beeping and these people are talking and my mom went to the fucking counter and was like, um, what's all this beeping? Like, why, why, like, can you make it quieter or something? Like, why do all these beeping, like, why do all these things have to beep? And it's like, like the 17-year-old kid that just took our fucking order can control whether or not the fry thing beeps. Like, at the time, I was just like, okay, you're going to go, like, ask them about that. And now it's like, oh, my God, Mom. Oh, my God. Do you have total, like, secondhand embarrassment now? Yes. Thinking about- like, yeah, I would. It's it's not like, oh, you got our burger wrong, I'm going to complain. But it's like, your kitchen is too noisy. I just, I was like, dude, you got it. You got to chill out. So when I was at Walmart this morning, I I was like already feeling overstimulated and like, I have to get out of here. But I wanted, I wanted a smoothie. Hmm. And I was a little bit hungry. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get just like a chicken McMuffin and a smoothie. 
which I know sounds weird, but like there's not egg on it. It's just like a little mini chicken sandwich, essentially. But I oh, didn't want okay. bricks, like just a little fried chicken patty with cheese on a bun. Yeah. It's not an English muffin, but it's just a bread vehicle. Like <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, and then I ordered my my smoothie and it was not busy in there at all. Mm-hmm. There was one lady at the till who like, I don't know, she was trying to use her points to order something. And she kept changing what she wanted to order because she was trying to make it equal the right amount of points that she had on her thing. And she was so confusing, this poor cashier, but then acting as if the cashier was stupid for not understanding what she wanted. Like, we had a little bit of a Karen situation, speaking of Karens at McDonald's. But then it took 10, exactly on the nose, 10 minutes to get my little sandwich and a smoothie. And there was, like, no orders ahead of me. Oh. And there people meandering around the back I could see that they had put my sandwich in the like I saw them make it they had to fry the like they didn't have any pre-cooked little chicken things so I watched them make it and that's fine I will wait for you to cook me fresh food but I saw it sitting there for like a long time and so then once this cashier finished dealing with this woman then she got my sandwich and made my smoothie so it's like all these people that like I get that they each have their own role yeah. in the in the game, but like there were literally people just kind of meandering about and it's like, you could make a fucking smoothie. So then because she was like trying to rush because I had been waiting so long, you could see that she was like aware that I had been waiting a long time, which I 10 minutes isn't a long time, but like I just needed to get the fuck out of there <laughs> to the point where I'm like, do I actually need this? Like, I know I paid for it, but like I might just, I might just jet. Yeah. So then she made my smoothie and gave me my order and I, went on my merry way and I was eating in my car and the smoothie like their smoothies are made with crushed ice they have a big ice machine and it crushes the ice right into the cup well I don't I don't know if it was the machine or if she just didn't blend it long enough or something but it was like chunky I could not sip it through the cardboard straw that was getting all messy (laughs) yeah and uh and then the sandwich had like this I had like one and a half bites of it. And then I hit this big like knob of gristly kind of, and it made me feel so gaggy that I was like, I had to spit it out. Like, so I had a really disappointing smoothie and one bite of a sandwich. And I'm like, I waited 10 minutes for this. Yeah. If you like wait that long for something and then it's like, I really want this and you eat it. And it's like, I don't want this. It's just like, it's like extra doubly bad. Yeah. Very disappointing. Anyway. Weren't we talking about a movie? We sure were. So uh, Jessica and Helen are kind of talking more about like what they want to do in this relationship and like where they want to go. And, and Jessica's like, we have to go like really slow because like I've never been with a woman or anything. This is all new territory. And she's like such a silly, neurotic, like New York lady, as we have seen many times before. Um, and so she just kind of like talking, talking, talking. And she just kind of like goes off on a tangent all the time. Um, hard, can't relate. So then Jessica is just like, so when I think about lesbianism, I think, ew. And it's like, okay, well, you are talking to a person who I believe, like, identifies as a lesbian. Maybe don't say ew right to her face. But this was 20 years ago, so I guess I'll give you that. And then I just love how type A she is that she, like, brings pamphlets that she must have got from, like, the doctor's office or something. It's like, so here's this huge pamphlet I got about how lesbian sex works. I wonder if you can, like, walk me through it or whatever. I think that's something, you know, like I've heard a lot in like media and real life, especially like in recent times where 
the internet is trying to make everyone a lesbian. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe my algorithm is just um, working, but <laughs> the universe is trying to, to contact you. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's the thing. It's like there's so much media about like I would be a lesbian, except for the ew part, and it's like you have one too, lady. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Like talk about how like internalized misogyny has like this is where it's gotten us it's like ew vaginas gross come on now so i was just like impressed at how like surprisingly open jessica is to this relationship like she kind of like she talks about like i need to go slow and blah 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 she really does go from like kind of like zero to 60. she's just like oh maybe i'll answer an ad maybe i have a girlfriend now let's move in together yeah right well, then eventually they finally do move in together. And I was like, this is kind of slow on the lesbian scale, to be honest. Like, you've had more than two dates. Where's the U-Haul? Yeah, right? Yeah. So Helen uh, meets, or she doesn't meet, she talks on the phone to Jessica's mother. And she's like, hey, yeah, we already have plans. We can't go to Shabbos dinner with you. Like, sorry. And her mom is just like, no, no, no. Uh, Jessica has to come to Shabbos dinner with us, with me. You're invited too. I'll pick you up at the train station in an hour. And so then like all of a sudden, Helen's meeting the parents. And so they go and they have like a, a nice dinner as, and she's just Jessica's friend, Helen, that she met. She's not, they don't know kind of the nature of, of their relationship or anything. And I just have to say, and I've said this on like other, like related to other things before, but I'm so glad like my parents were never obsessed with like, fixing me up or something like that they were just like I feel like the odd time there was like a subtle like nudge about like well this person is single and then that's kind of like as far as it went like there was never like a any kind of like blind date set up or anything yeah. and it's like I've said that before about like my education or like my my future where my parents were never like well you're gonna go to this school and you're gonna do this thing it was just kind of like I don't know do whatever the fuck you want just be home for dinner my parents were very, like, supportive of whatever I wanted to do, but not ever pushy about it. The only thing was, especially, like, as I got a little older, um, every time they hired a new guy my age-ish at the store that she worked at, she had to tell me about it. And especially, this was always the criteria. And, like, I love my mom to death. <laughs> this is not a, you know, I'm not trying to be like, oh, can you believe my mom? But it just speaks to, like, generational things and stuff too I think where like the criteria every time she's like they hired a new guy at the store he's nice he's cute he's this he's this he's a big guy and it was always you know because I'm a big girl so like I had to be paired with a big guy right so yes yeah yeah you are both fat, so you're compatible he's very non-threatening he's uh he's fat so you know he's just he'll take what he can get he's probably desperate you should try and go out with him right yeah um yeah it was like I remember there was this one time where um, my mom had a coworker who was like kind of like actively dating people. And so she was like, just kind of like randomly talking about this woman. And she's like, oh, so-and-so uh, met this guy that she's been seeing a lot lately. Uh, they met on Plenty of Fish. Have you ever heard of Plenty of Fish? And it's like, yes, mother, I've heard of Plenty of Fish. Excellent. That's where my husband met. Oh, Plenty of fish. see, there you go. We've heard of it. <laughs> Trashiest. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then like the only other thing is like at Christmas time, like my aunts and uncles would be like, so do you have a boyfriend? Blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until like literally last summer I ran into my uncle at like the summer fair 
And he said something like, because I was there with like my sister and my niece. And he's like, uh, he, you know, he said to my niece, like, oh, did you go on all the rides? Like, are you having fun kind of thing? And then he said to me, what are you here? Are you, are you here looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend? And I was like, I am 42 years old. And that is the first time you ever acknowledged that, like, <laughs> maybe I'm not looking for a boyfriend. I wasn't looking well, for a girlfriend either. But, you know, I was there to eat mini donuts that came on a stick. That's what I was fucking there for. What are they there for? And obnoxious amounts of cotton candy. Yes. Yeah, cotton candy. In my yeah, cotton candy and uh, food on a stick. I was trying to get pierogies on this on a stick, but the line was way too long. So that's genius. It was pretty good. But yeah, it's like well, I guess better late than never for you too. Right? Yeah. Catch. Yeah, it's like sometimes people when they're like, "Oh, I had no idea." It's like, have you ever like? Really? You had no idea that I might be interested in people that aren't just men? I digress. What gave it away? <laughs> so they have this lovely dinner, and then it starts raining. And the mom is like, it's raining way too hard. Nobody can leave the house. And it's like, you would last exactly two seconds on the prairies. Because... I have gone home. I have driven in a blizzard before. It's like, oh, well, I got to get going home. So I guess I'm just going to drive, at the time, drive my Fiat through mm -hmm. a blizzard. So you can go and get on the train when there's a little bit of rain. Not that your Honda Fit is that much better. Actually, that's funny. When you were talking about your, your prize package that you went in, you're like, tow ropes and stuff. I'm like, so you can tow things with your Honda Fit? Yeah. I tow everything with that Honda Fit. Yeah. Um, I was thinking today, because I was thinking about this prize pack, and I got my Fiat, like, stuck in snow once. And um, I was at a friend's house, and her boyfriend came out to, like, help, like, push my car out. And he, like, couldn't get the car going, so, like, a truck was driving past. And they were like, oh, we have, like, tow chains. We'll, like, pull you, pull your car out. And I'm thinking about it now, and it's like, if both people got out of that truck, we could have lifted my Fiat out of the snow. Like, I don't understand why, why like, the chains were necessary, because that car was not that heavy. My first car was a Chevrolet Chevette. Ooh, a vet. Yeah, my vet. And uh, I got it, I backed up onto, like, a plow ridge once, where, like, the, the plow had piled up the snow, so it was all that hard, chunky snow, and I backed right up onto it, so my back axle was, like, spinning. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I was I was in high school and I was picking up a couple guy friends at their house and uh, I can't even remember where we were going. But yeah, me and these two guys literally picked my car up off of the snowbank and I mean it's not it was still very very heavy but but yeah tiny little car we're like we'll we'll just lift it off anyway. yeah 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 for sure so so they stay they stay over at. Uh, at Jessica's mom's house. I don't know if we ever see Jessica's dad. Does he exist? I, like, I, you always see the mom, and it's like, was there even a dad there? Okay. So they're kind of, like, finding rooms for everyone to sleep in, and uh, Jessica and Helen are go to uh, Jessica's childhood bed, and the mom's like, are you sure it's not too cramped in here? They're like, oh, we'll... We'll, like, find a way to, to make it work. And so this date is on day 10, which Jessica said, like, maybe by day 10, like, I'll be, I'll feel, like, comfortable enough to sleep with you. And I was right. like, 
okay, but now you're like in your childhood bed with like your like wicker headboard. Like, I don't think, I don't know. And yeah, and they, you know, even though they're in a house full of people, full of Jessica's family, they, they go to pound town that night. Sometimes it just takes um, feeling like you're doing something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, oh, we have to be quiet. We can't get caught. And then I was so sure that it was like they were going to get caught. Like I thought this was going to be like a lot of a bigger deal where like maybe like they were going to get like kicked out or like yelled at or like not in my house or anything. And, you know, I thought maybe there'd be like a like an awkward like next day at breakfast kind of thing. And they just kind of like skip forward to like a few days later or something like that. And it's like, oh, okay. This movie does that a lot where it, it skips chunks of time to like move the story forward. Yeah. So I guess the, the morning wasn't that awkward for them, which good to, good to, uh, good to hear. Um, and then Helen, yeah, Helen has these two uh, gay men who are friends and they're kind of like talking about how uh, I can't think of the word they use, but that Helen is basically like a, like a traitor to the cause because she's going out with a woman who's never gone out with a woman before and and she's like only been with men and blah 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 and I was like oh by erasure that's hooray love it love to see it I was like somehow things never change and a lot of that comes from the quote-unquote community absolutely yeah there are like so many queer people who like just disparage like bisexual people and it's like there are all kinds of people. I don't know if you noticed this or not. So they're kind of, they're out uh, just like shopping at a little market on, on the side of the street there. It's like super cute. I want to have markets like that where there's just like the fresh fruit like outside the door. Yeah. I love when I, when I go visiting to like bigger cities and I always stop in at a market like that. And it's like, there are like apples outside the store and you could just walk past and pick one up. But I'm a good girl. So I'll take it into the store and purchase it. Thank you. But while they're out there, they run into Jessica's work friend, Joan. And I love Joan. Joan, I want to be best friends with Joan. I love her. Yeah. She's just so cool. And Joan is the one that kind of like finds out like, oh, this isn't your friend, Helen. This is like, I, I see what's going on here. And then they cut to, uh, I think they're in Jessica's apartment later. It might be Joan's apartment, but they're they're together, just the two of them in, in their apartment. And Jessica's like freaking out that someone found out that she has a girlfriend. And she's like, do you hate me? Am I disgusting? And it's like, oh, that like it was kind of like played not for laughs, but like more lighthearted. But it's like, that's that's so sad that like she's in this like relationship, that like makes her happy. And she's still just like, don't tell anyone. Oh, am I gross? Do you hate me? Will you ever talk to me again? You know, you can't blame her because that's. I feel like, you know, Jessica had very little exposure to any kind of, you know, she seems like she was maybe pretty sheltered. Yeah, for sure. So it's, you know, it's kind of maybe telling of how she might have reacted to a friend who might have come out, you know, before all of this happened. So. Yeah, that's a really good point. I wonder how she would have reacted if a friend had, yeah. yeah, if she had been in the other seat there. Yeah, because even like, when she first started seeing Helen, she's like, oh, I think lesbianism, and I think, ew. And it's like, ooh. 
Um, but Joan is just like really supportive and she's like, no, I think that's, that's great. Like I, I'm your friend and I love you and cool. If that's what's making you happy. Um, Jessica, like, like said all like the things that she likes about Helen. Like she's funny and she's smart and she's this and she's that. And Joan just goes, sounds like you really need to put a stop to this. I love that Joan is concerned with like, how's the sex? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So this I was like watching this whole movie and I'm like, what does this movie like remind me of? Now there is a Canadian movie that came out around this time and it's called Better Than Chocolate. It's um, it's another like indie queer love story kind of thing. And it just like so much of this movie reminded me of that. It was kind of like a girl like moves to, I want to say Vancouver, but it might be Toronto, kind of like from a small town and she's like very green and she kind of like she I think she already knows that she's a lesbian but like living in a small town she didn't have a lot of opportunity to like explore that at all and so it kind of just shows her like sort of like coming of age in like this queer community in the city so it's a really cute movie I like that one but I like couldn't think of what it was called for the longest time so then I, last night when I was watching the movie I was just like googling like queer Canadian movie uh late 90s queer Canadian I know this is a thing <laughs> Are you possible that I have seen it and just don't know it by name? Because I used to watch a lot of like late night CBC and there was a lot of that kind of stuff on late night CBC. I feel like that might be where I found it. So you might have seen it. I couldn't even tell you like who's in it. Um, it's one of those movies where I can't name any actors, but it's like because it's Canada, like, you know, all the faces. You're like, oh, it's all those people, but I don't know who they are like uh, British movies where it's like we just have the same 10 people that we recycle through every show pretty much pretty much so it would not be a love and horror episode if I did not have to talk about the fashion and I, I thought this movie was maybe late 90s so I wasn't sure if it was like 90s or 2000s but it's kind of all a pastiche of the same fashion everybody in slip dresses slip dresses and spaghetti straps all of them all day long yeah, it's not as bad early 2000s fashion as some of the other things that we've seen, I think. But Yeah, like a, a slip dress, there are worse things. But yeah, I just noticed like every scene, it was like a slip dress that it was like, I mean, slip dress. So like a slip is like a an undergarment, essentially. But it's like you look at it and it's like that could easily be like lingerie, you know, and not just the dress you're wearing today. It was definitely like a real style. Like that was the conversation about the style for a while there. Like in Cosmo and stuff, you'd see the fashion pages and it would be these lingerie inspired dresses. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Jessica is doing the dress fitting for her uh, brother's wedding and she's presumably a bridesmaid and she's getting this dress tailored to her at the dress shop. And Helen's going to meet her there and they were going to go, uh, Jessica's mother was like, oh, I've made us reservations. We'll all go for lunch afterwards. And we learned that Jessica hasn't passed on the invitation for the wedding to Helen, who is like, she's kind of been like welcomed into the family as like Jessica's new best friend. So of course you're going to come to the wedding and she doesn't get invited. Well, she got, she gets invited, but uh, Jessica doesn't pass it on to her because she like doesn't want her there or whatever. 
so they kind of like have the big blow up and she's like, you know, if you like can't be proud of our relationship or happy with our relationship, if I'm just like a secret, then like forget it, goodbye. And so then they like go their separate ways and Jessica's very sad at this like pre-dinner, whatever, like the dinner you have before the wedding, like the night before. Rehearsal dinner. Rehearsal dinner. Okay. Yeah. So they're at that and she's just all like super sad and then she like gets up from dinner at one point and goes outside and her mom comes and is like talking to her and kind of like by the end of this conversation that her mom has with her she's like I think Helen is a lovely girl and it's like oh moms no moms always know it makes me cry a little bit yeah it definitely like got me then and now <laughs> the like the conversation that they have and then the way that the mom you know, she wants to say something, but she doesn't quite know how to word it. And she starts and stops a couple times. And then, yeah, she just, you know, so she's a lovely girl. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, and then Jessica just starts bawling. And yes. Like, just yeah. Such a yeah. It was, it was really sweet. And it's so nice to know that like, like who, like Jessica is as a person, because she was very like sheltered from that. And her, her family is definitely a very upstanding, very like, proper and you know there's like a very certain way to like do things and to go about your life as we've seen in in Jessica so I wasn't sure how the family would react to to knowing that like so your daughter's a lesbian but everyone seemed very very supportive and it was like a really nice kind of like refreshing thing to see so then uh Helen gets to go to the wedding as as Jessica's date and everyone at the wedding is is very like intrigued about the lesbian in their midst and it's like oh well if you're going to adopt children if you're going to do this and like tell me all about this and it's like back up I just want to like drink a glass of champagne please a little overwhelming <laughs> yeah right they do survive the wedding and in true lesbian fashion they move in together um quite quickly but not quickly yeah, I mean, like for Jessica, with this being her first, first lesbian relationship, yeah. I feel like it's still pretty cool for her. Yes, so. yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I kind of thought that was going to be the end. And then there were these scenes that kept happening where I'm like, what is happening now? Like this movie should have ended with them like moving in together and kind of like seeing like this apartment and like then they just like kiss, scene, credits, end. But even in saying that, I was like, but I wouldn't have been happy with that. Because, like, all through the whole thing, it's like, well, you're not going to marry this girl. I mean, first of all, it's 2002. You're not going to marry this girl. But then secondly, like, like this is just, like, it's it's obvious that this isn't, like, the one, as she's always talking about, right? Yeah. So there's kind of these scenes where then they stop having sex. And Helen is like, we're just roommates. We're just best friends. And Jessica's like, yeah, isn't it great? And she's like no, like, then you're not my girlfriend. We're just best friends who happen to sleep in the same bed. So they eventually, um, they do break up, but the, uh, the, like, few scenes in there of just, like, queer joy was, like, really nice to see, where it's just, like, we're just, like, a couple of people who are just, like, living in New York City and just vibing, and it's, you know, just kind of showing how you know, a lot of times people talk about like the like the quote unquote like gay lifestyle. And it's like the gay lifestyle is like folding clothes while watching television and like snuggling my cat. Like it's the, the, there is no lifestyle, right? Our agenda. 
get coffee, then see where the date is. <laughs> Pr pretty much, yes. So it was nice just to kind of see like how like kind of normal their relationship was. They do they do break up, and then a little bit later you see Jessica in a bookstore putting up um, posters for like a, an art uh, space that she wants to rent out or whatever, and she runs into Josh from from the newspaper and from her past, and they're kind of like talking and they keep like interrupting each other and like being all cute like oh what did you say oh no I was just gonna say this blah 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 and I was like don't get too cute here what are we what are you two doing and uh and then in the end they get together but Helen remains Jessica's like best friend so like she goes and she like Jessica goes and like tells her right away like oh I talked to Josh and we're like gonna go out and that's kind of how it ends so I was like pretty much on board with this movie um like all through it I was like oh this is cute this is like definitely an indie film but it's like you know it's one of those cute stories that are it's set against New York City again so it's like it's like cool to watch and like everyone is like really cool characters and everything um you know the story was really cute so I was like it's very middle of the road I was on board to give it a five-star rating and then that ending disappointed me so much, I had to like take a point off. So I ended up just giving it four slip dresses out of 10. That's fair. A lot of the like user reviews, I didn't find a lot of like critical reviews, but there's a lot of, like I even went on um, Reddit and read people's thoughts on it and yeah. stuff. And there's a real, real mix of people that are like, I hated that ending and it betrayed the whole spirit of the movie. And then people that are like, no, but that's real, actually. Like, this was, and and I can see both sides very easily. I was overthinking this movie a lot this week, where it's like, it's a really cute story. I feel like it is very realistic that that this woman tried something that obviously all along was not quite for her. Mm. And, and experimenting with your sexuality is fun. And if you try something and it ends up not being what you want, then at least you gave something a try, or at least you were open. It would be worth taking some time just to read some of the the um, user reviews and stuff on IMDb or just on the interwebs in general, because there is a lot of different perspective. And it's it's really interesting to see. And a lot of it is from like queer community saying, I felt so seen by this movie because you know, things aren't fluid and, and things do change. And um, and then some saying this really felt like, like a betrayal, like somebody's not allowed to realize that they're a lesbian or whatever. You know, really, really compelling conversations on both sides. So that's uh, that was kind of my observation of it. I don't have a strong opinion one way or another, but I do, I do strongly agree that they didn't end up together. But yeah, I don't know that Josh was the right fit for her because I mentioned earlier too my strong feelings about when he realizes he's in love with her. And it's like he was so patronizing and like dismissive of her until she started blossoming, right? Like, because as through that relationship, when she starts being happy in this relationship and stuff, she's thriving and you can like glowing practically. And yeah, and it's like she's following her dreams and and you know getting back into her art and stuff and and it's supposed to be this like you've inspired me to you know 
follow my passions again and stuff too and it's like I don't know it, it just felt so shitty that it's like oh you're happy now now I'm I'm uh, gonna take you seriously or yeah yeah well he even said when when he was talking to her at the wedding he was like when you were when you were sad you know whatever I was like feeling good and then when you were feeling good about things like I was feeling down because like I wanted to be the person to like be happy with you or whatever and it's like fuck off like just, so, just patronizing yeah um but to go back to like what you said about um like betrayal like I don't know that I would go so far as to say betrayal because it's just a movie but I do definitely feel like oh that's kind of I'm disappointed that that's how that had to end because it's like sure that is real life that happens you know like you go out with a person and that doesn't work out and that doesn't mean that's your entire personality or your entire experience it was just one little experience but it's still just like I feel like still even today in 2023 there's so much of like straight is the default and so to see like I even wrote here in my in my notes that it says like this is kind of just saying like oh gay is just a phase for her and it's just and then I had to like kind of stop and think like well we've just seen like a year in Jessica's life we don't know that she you know after Josh she goes and goes out with another woman like that could be a thing too but but yeah it just kind of felt like okay well I like had my fun before I settled down and now I can like get back on with being straight you know it's just it's too bad because we don't see a lot of movies like that like even today there aren't a lot of movies where like the main character is just queer just because that's who they are it's not like a central part to like the story so it was just too bad that in the end you know she kind of went back to being with a guy yeah yeah and 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 that I think is a lot of what's what the kind of felt like a betrayal reviews and stuff were was that it's like of course being gay is just a phase but sometimes it is I I have gone through many different phases <laughs> and will probably go through many more yeah it's interesting it's a it's and yeah and like and I liked that that Helen did end up with a woman in the end it's like you know both of them like even though Helen's kind of posed as the bisexual one she I think didn't have any experience with women before either it was just uh I'm gonna try this I think that I like women um that's very true so, yeah she she was having that conversation with her friends and yeah. and they were like oh this is like what you're gonna do now and she's like yeah I'm ready to like try something different so this is this is true she just feels it just seemed a lot more like comfortable to her yeah definitely a much more natural thing for her so it actually probably was legitimately part of her sexuality and for Jessica it really wasn't true to her it was just something that like this person in this moment feels good and yeah so yeah that's how I should be this person in this moment feels good <laughs> absolutely yeah like we don't have to put so many labels on things you know and then it just like kind of makes everything easier where it's just like I'm just a person and I like other people you know they just put so much pressure on people they do. They absolutely do. I had two maple cream cookies. Got my water. And now I have to show you like the most ridiculous thing that I got for Easter. But my sister just like bought it and was like, here, I'll give it to you on Easter. So it's a little thing of candies. That is Michael Myers. Nice. 
And when I open it up, it's like sour orange or some like weird kind of flavor. The candies, I don't know if it reads or not. They're knife shaped. I can see. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. So I thought that was pretty great. Okay. I cannot wait to talk about this movie with you. <laughs> it's going to be hard to talk about. I don't even know how to talk about it. Uh, I can't wait. So like with no further ado, I had you watch Hereditary. Did you know anything about Hereditary before you watched it? I know Hereditary was 100% one of the ones that I told you I wasn't willing to watch. I, I keep forgetting about that list. I'm so sorry. I've been through it all now, though, so. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Um, but, but not, but only because I had heard, like, you know, it had a really good, we talked about this with um, Paranormal Activity, how it had like a really viral marketing campaign. Yeah. I feel like Hereditary had that too. And like the, the, it wasn't even the previews, but it was like the audience reaction shots and stuff made me feel like it was really like extra scary. I had seen lots of like horror movie people saying like, nothing scares me and this scared me. And so I was like, I, I, I don't know about this one. And when you brought it up, I'm like, you know what? I have proved myself wrong a number of times already. So all bets are off. Everything's on the table. But I didn't know much about the plot at all. I knew it had Tony Collette, who is fabulous. Yeah. So um, points there. And uh, <laughs> because I had put something on our Instagram. Oh, a conversation between my sister and I, because she watched right. it like the night before I did. Yeah. And she said, bring your adult diapers. And I put that on our Instagram and somebody commented, was it the scene with the naked guy in the treehouse? <laughs> so I know that there's a scene with a naked guy in a treehouse. So then, of course, the treehouse is, is featured like through the whole movie. And I'm yes. like, hasn't been a naked guy yet. Hasn't, and it's like right at the end. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that was all I knew is that there was apparently a naked guy in a treehouse. <laughs> um, yeah, but I didn't I didn't know any details about it. Okay, cool. That's like the best way to watch some horror films, I think. Uh, Hereditary is a 2018 film. It was written and directed by Ari Aster in his feature directorial debut. It stars, of course, Tony Collette, as well as Gabriel Byrne, Millie Shapiro, and Alex Wolfe. It had a budget of $10 million, which really isn't a lot of money for a movie. Like $10 million? It must have all gone into that amazing house. Yeah. Um, and it went on to make $82.5 million at the box office. So this was distributed by A24 Films, which is kind of known for doing a lot of like cutting edge horror these days. So a lot of, you might have heard the phrase like elevated horror. I have not. Oh, okay. So it's, it's like horror that is not just like, like a slasher. You know, it's kind of got like a bit more, it's a bit artier. Yeah, a bit more cerebral. Um, and A24 does a lot of those films. Rotten Tomatoes gave it 90% on the tomato meter and a 69% audience score. And Metacritic had it at 87 for a meta score and a 6.7 user score. So it kind of has this like really good reviews, but then sort of, sort of lower scores with audiences, which a lot of those sort of elevated horror films do. There's a lot of sort of talk in the horror world about like why do we have to like think so hard 
yeah like oh we have to like make things like so snobby and arty like can't we just like kill a bunch of fucking teenagers in the woods like movies for that as well yeah yeah exactly there's like so many things that like are just commonplace to me and then sometimes when I say them out loud non-horror fans are like can you say that again (laughs) so um at the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards there was um an award for the best kill scene and the year this movie came out the Fangoria Chainsaw Award for best kill scene went to Charlie Meets the Telephone Pole yeah I can see that (laughs) yeah so um, I have a couple of reviews here. RogerEbert.com gave it four stars, and their reviewer says that it's creepy beyond belief. Hereditary is one of those movies you shouldn't describe in detail, because if you do, it will not only ruin surprises, but make the listener wonder if you saw the film or dreamed it. Can I just say, I think it would be impossible to describe this film in detail. There is so much going on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when you were like, I don't even know how I can, like, describe it or anything, I was thinking of this review, because, like, as you start talking about it, it's like, wait, what are you even talking, what, what is happening right now? And then I I usually go to, like, a horror source for another review, like, roomorg.com or uh, bloodydisgusting.com. Um, I couldn't find, I wasn't really, like, happy with the, uh, like, the sound bites that they were giving me. I think um, roomorg doesn't usually do, like, like a this side of this kind of thing so I didn't want to like pull a quote from them um I did see that bloody disgusting gave it uh four skulls out of five but I didn't really like any of their quotes so I did pull another quote off of uh, global news of all places so they say so what's the bottom line horror fans this is a precaution for those of you looking for your standard scare fare hereditary falls outside the lines and is more of a experimental art house movie as are many that emerge from film festivals. Hereditary isn't traditionally scary, but features some grotesque imagery. Overall, it's a haunting movie with some frightening moments, but it's never going to beat classics like The Exorcist when it comes to making you sleep with the lights on. Um, isn't traditionally scary? Yeah, I'm I... I'm sorry? I, I, like, it, it is an elevated horror thing, but to say it's nothing will compare to the exorcist and this is nothing like the exorcist i was i mean like we'll get into it but i was left feeling very exorcisty by the end i was like ooh scary let's yeah. just say it was scary yeah, it was yeah <laughs> I, I i think that's a totally acceptable thing to say for this movie i was glad that I went over to friend of the podcast, Jesse's place to watch this and had a little bit of moral support. Um, yeah, like it legit scared me. And I mean, maybe I should have saved that for the end. Like big surprise scared me, but like it scared me. Yeah. So um, why don't you go ahead and give me your synopsis if, if you so, can do that. Okay. Initially, my synopsis was just going to be what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> like, I spiraled over the synopsis and what I've written is not great. And I will fully confess that I read some other synopsises just so that I could try and formulate a thought. Yeah. Uh, so Hereditary is about a family with a dark history. When the main character's mom dies, things start happening and escalating quickly. When the daughter dies, a gruesome death, the mom makes a friend through a grief 
meeting who teaches her how to perform a seance. As they encounter more and more cryptic secrets about Annie, the mother's mom, their fate seems inevitable and the family all meets awful deaths except son Peter, who inherits his position as one of the ten kings of hell? That's a pretty succinct uh, synopsis. Well, hopefully it's good enough anyway. Yeah, no, I think that, yeah. that, is, that, that is really like, what's hereditary about? It's about that. I like it. There was so I have a hard time not going into too much detail in a synopsis. It's like I could have written pages about it or one line. What the fuck? And then they did this, and then this happened. And the phone pole, and then there were ants on it, and then. <laughs> so there are a couple of fun facts. Um, the only one I'll give you off the top here is um, that house. I'm not sure about like the how, like the exterior of the house, but the interior was all built on a soundstage, so that they could like kind of open up and make the interiors like bigger to kind of like move people around in. And it was designed to kind of give the viewer the feeling of watching a dollhouse and kind of yeah. um, like kind of mirror the little dioramas that Annie makes. Right in the first scene, you see it kind of go from looking at a diorama to real life. Yeah. It, it goes forth between is this real or is this a diorama a few times. It's kind of a cool hook. Yeah, there's definitely some scenes like even just the way like Annie kind of moves through some of the scenes. It's like, I know I'm seeing like a full size person walk through a full size house right now, but somehow it also looks like a miniature or a dollhouse or something. It was really cool the way they, they kind of put that all together. Okay. Give me all your thoughts and feelings on hereditary. Let's go. It's going to be a hard movie to talk about because I did take lots of notes. I mean, a lot of my reviews are just like stream of consciousness, but this is really just like, I don't know if this is going to make any sense. So we might just have to have like more of a conversation about my feels after. But it's it's uh, just uh, it's just three pages of oh god oh god oh god oh god why what oh god oh god oh god. Uh, yeah, and you know, I mentioned that I went to Jesse's to watch it. So not only was she there for moral support, but also to take pictures and videos of me freaking out. Um, I cannot wait to talk about that video that we posted on our TikTok and Instagram. I need to know everything about like the circumstances around that. So like when we get to that part, please let me know that we're at that part. Okay. But right off the bat, I was like getting myself, I, I hit play, but then I was getting myself situated, opening my notebook to the right page and whatever. And I look up and there's like two paragraphs on the screen that you have to read. And I'm like, first off, too much reading. Is this fucking Star Wars? <laughs> Um, and then of course because this happens in every movie I was like preoccupied by the fact that the dad is someone who is he what's his name I couldn't and I I was so preoccupied with I couldn't remember his name through like the whole thing and Jesse had looked it up and I'm like don't tell me I, and then like very very close to the end I was like it's Gabriel Byrne yeah <laughs> so I was like hey, he's somebody he um, sure is Tony Collette new yeah of in the movie we start we're starting off strong with another movie with a kid drawing creepy drawings this seems to be a real theme yep i so we start off with um annie's mom has died and it's clear that there was a complicated relationship there um when they come home from the funeral and she says should i be sadder 
And I really just, I had to write that line down because I feel so, like that's such a real thing to feel and think. Like, I feel like at certain times in your life, you're supposed to feel certain ways about things. And it, and it can be really complicated to go like, I should be sadder about this. Like I'm supposed to be crying now. I can't cry right now, but I'm supposed to be crying right now. Yeah, like that, um, like I said, I've seen this movie twice now because the first time I watched it, I was kind of like indifferent about it. And then I was like, no, I feel like I need to watch it again. I definitely got more out of the movie this time. And when I watched it uh, the other day and she said that line, should I be sadder? I like really connected with that because of course, like both my parents are are dead now. And um, like when my mom died, I was like very sad. And then kind of like with age, you kind of can like take a step back from your life and really see like some things from your childhood or whatnot that were like maybe didn't happen the way you like you realize they happen. You kind of look back and you're like, oh, sometimes things were shittier than I thought they were. And maybe I'm not like as sad anymore, you know? And then it, and it's a weird thing because it's like, I'm sad and I miss the person, but like, you know, I don't miss everything. Yeah. And yeah, it's like it, it, death brings up very complicated emotions. But I just thought, I'm like, wow, that's such a real, like a real feeling. Yeah. And like right away after the funeral, shit starts getting creepy. This was definitely a movie that made me feel not smart enough. Mm. Like some of these, maybe this is like the elevated horror thing. Sometimes some of these movies make me feel like, I'm stupid because I'm not picking up all the little little meanings of things or like so there were a few times where there were words written on the kids bedroom walls or whatever and I couldn't make out the first word mm. that on the little girl's wall and then I made out one later and then there were a couple more and I'm just like I don't I don't I don't think I get the meaning of the words on the, the writing on the walls <laughs> um anyway well, a lot of those words, um, I can't remember what really any of them are, but they were all like either like Latin or Hebrew. So it wasn't a word that you were just going to be like, oh, chair, I know that word. So the only one I know for sure was kind of like the third time you see words on the wall. I can't think of what the words are, but they translate essentially to like open Pandora's box. Ooh. You kind of get little snippets through the movie that like, the grandma is wanting to be really involved with the kids and that's maybe where some of the complicated relationship stems from. But there's a diorama scene that looks like Annie in bed with a brand new baby and the mom with her tit out. Yes. Was grandma is... trying to nurse the baby? I don't know what that is. Cause like, it's never like, she never like says it outright, but yeah, you see that and it's like, Grandma, put your top back on. What is going on? So then we kind of start seeing a bit more into Charlie, the little girl's um, experiences in life. Mm -hmm. And she's a weird little kid. Um, <laughs> but Jessie, as we were sitting there watching, she's like, that girl kind of looks like a little bird. I can't put my finger on it, but she has like bird energy. And then immediately a bird hits the fucking window and I'm like, get out. <laughs> I know it's your house. Yeah. <laughs> there there have been like sort of like theory applied to that, how like Charlie is supposed to sort of like represent a bird, the way she kind of like yeah. makes her little like clucking noise. And um, there were a couple other little things. Like she's at one point like little crafts that she does, like one of them kind of looks like a nest. 
and uh when when that bird hits the the window and then she like sneakily goes out later and like chops its head off like which is uh foreshadowing for what happens to charlie later but yeah it was just such a such a like perfect timing that like she just finished saying it and then the bird hit the window and i'm like what's going on (laughs) yeah she just casually chops off the bird's head and puts it in her pocket and it's like oh my god (laughs) i mean i have family that does taxidermy and stuff so maybe i shouldn't be so shocked by that but i was not expecting that it's just weird to see like a 13 year old girl just like pull scissors out of like her bunny hug pocket clip a bird's head off and then just shove the head in the pocket like the pockets to that sweater are just full of secrets because she's always pulling something out of her pocket so the mom making the miniatures i i liked watching her constructing these things and stuff i actually watch people making miniatures on the interwebs um i do that a lot too i've we've kind of talked like off off mic before about how i'm just like obsessed with making little things lately um making like I make them myself I like I think a lot about making them and like wanting to get the supplies to make little like kind of like hole in the wall mouse houses or um I want to make like a little like moss like I think they're called like mossariums and so I just I yeah I watching this movie like sparked it in me again like I need to make little things but yeah I I there's a couple people that I follow that make miniatures of like abandoned places or like hoarder houses and so it's like you know a lot of times when you see miniatures there are these beautiful little like fairy gardens or like beautiful little victorian houses and stuff and these are all like dirty falling apart and it is so it is i i've tried to make a few little mini things for um my husband's farm he's got a like a diary of a farm that takes up half of our rec room and so every once in a while, I'll be like, yeah, I'll make you a this or that. I've made some fences and I've made, um, I made him an outhouse. <laughs> but I'm not, I don't have like the fine dexterity for that kind of stuff. My sister can do really fine detailed stuff and I'm just not good at that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm fascinated to see how people get these really intricate details on these teeny tiny things i love it yeah they get it like their paintbrushes that have like two hairs on it and like just very tiny like painting it's like i it's not that i don't have the dexterity i don't have like the attention span or the will to like get that fine about it i i don't have the dexterity or the the attention span or will i also don't have the that the the specific kind of creativity that you need to do that kind of stuff to think of like what item can I use to make this or like that I follow she's got this like little treasure chest of just random little things that she finds that oh that could be a light fixture sometimes just an earring or a like little things that you would never think about that it's like oh that could be a something and I just don't have that kind of creativity yeah the main character and goes to like a grief support group and she doesn't want to talk at first but then she starts talking and it all just kind of starts verbal diary and I'm like she's talking about her family history of all the mental illness and stuff in her family I'm like oh that is quite a family history like it goes deep yes absolutely and this is where I had to comment about how good of an actor Toni Collette is she is such a good actor and and I mean I knew that before this too but like 
the range of emotions when she's telling her like family history and her her story about her mom and stuff at that support group the range of emotions that go through her face as she's talking and stuff is she's just so good it's just like so raw like it really feels real like it's not just one emotion like i am sad now it's like there's this whole like range that she's going through and and in that scene and then in the scene where charlie dies and Mm -hmm. she's like grieving for her 13 year old daughter yeah just so it felt so real yes okay so this never actually resolved itself anyway but i felt like the chocolate charlie's always eating chocolate and like I felt like it had to be something and maybe I missed something where it was, but it, I feel like it ever really like resolved. Yeah. I don't know that it's necessarily like it had to be chocolate, but I think it's the idea that like, maybe if there's like a little bit of like self soothing with chocolate, cause she has it at the funeral and she has it, she seems to kind of like take out a piece and nibble on it when she's maybe feeling a little bit unsure or something. And then when they go to the party and she doesn't want uh, Peter to like leave her or whatever. And he's like, no, no, it's totally cool. Um, You just go over there and like have some cake. Look, it's chocolate cake. You love chocolate, don't you? And so it's kind of this vehicle to set up like she always is eating chocolate. But then they keep saying to her like, but there's no nuts in there, right? Like don't have any nuts because they need to like really establish like there is a nut allergy. So I suppose... It could have just easily been she's always eating candy and just make sure you're eating like candy and not nuts. I think it was just kind of to set up like she has a nut allergy. That makes sense. And yeah, she has a nut allergy and it would make sense that she would take a piece of cake at a random party. Although like how weird is it to have like the the scene at the party where the girl is chopping the nuts and, you know, making the cake and stuff. I'm like, this is a high school party. Like, who's baking cake at a fucking high school party? It did seem weird. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, I didn't really go to a lot of house parties as a teenager or as a college student or as a 42-year-old lady. But I feel like unless it's like someone's birthday or something, like a cake is a weird thing. It might be like, oh, hey, I bought cupcakes at the grocery store today, but not I baked this three-layer chocolate cake for our teenage party today. It, it was weird. The fact that she's doing it at the party, like she's chopping the nuts at the party. Yeah. Like I definitely would have gone to parties where, where there was a birthday cake or something, but it wasn't happening at the party. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well that does. Yeah. Okay. I like that explanation. Okay, that good. Put it together for me. Um, I also felt, with the the actor that plays charlie Hmm. like how do they find the creepiest kid in the world like i'm sure i'm sure she's lovely in real life but like she was a hella creepy little kid yeah i feel like she was kind of like the perfect person to play that which is interesting because she has not what I would call a disability, but she has something that like has this like big Latin word that basically there's like bones in her face that are missing. And that's why her face looks the way it does. And so I think it's interesting to take like what would be seen as a disability, what no doubt kids probably made fun of her when she was younger. And it's like, no, this is why I got picked for this movie. You know, just kind of like the way she looks was very like striking. And then the way 
she like acts in the movie is just so like off-putting i guess um when they were kind of like in pre-production uh the actress and alex wolf who plays peter were like kind of sent to go out um like go have lunch or go do this or go do whatever but go do it like in in character basically so they said they go on these like three hour kind of lunch dates where um the actress would just like not say anything through the entire like lunch and then alex had to like keep trying to like get her to say things the way you know probably would have worked between them oh wow that's cool oh i thought i jumped ahead with the who's cut why is somebody cutting a giant pile of walnuts at a party but that actually is my next note oh, okay. so i feel so I'm right. I do have a comment though after that of of the feeling I express, expressed earlier that I feel like I'm not smart enough for this movie. I feel like there's just so many things that I'm missing. And then I'm like, oh, I get the walnuts now when she starts having the allergic reaction. And then my next note is directly after the car accident and it is just all caps. Oh my God. That's all. Yeah, Charlie's death is brutal. But then how Peter kind of like in shock almost. And yeah. It's like I being in shock. You just left your sister's dead body in your car for your mom to find. Like, can you imagine stumbling oh. upon that? Just, just go outside in the morning and see your daughter's decapitated body in the backseat of the car. Oh, it's just awful. I was reading and I was like surprised that I had never heard this before. There's kind of, sort of, maybe possibly that scene was like inspired by true events. Apparently the director has like never spoken on this and confirmed it, but there's a story that like happened where it's like, there is no way you didn't hear about this. So um, in 2004 in Marietta, Georgia, John Kemper Hutchison accidentally decapitated his childhood friend and passenger Frankie Brom on a telephone pole support wire after the latter had leaned his head from the vehicle to relieve the symptoms of his inebriation. Hutcherson then drove home with Brahms' headless corpse in the car and fell asleep until a passerby walking with his toddler noticed Brahms' body still in the truck the next morning and notified authorities. Holy shit. Yeah, that's intense. But then I was like, it's too early in the movie and this kid is too creepy to not be in the movie anymore. I felt like, is she still alive? Like, I thought maybe, I don't know, maybe there was some magic going on that she was like gonna sit up because after the accident happens they they stay on peter's face kind of just like in shock in the car for a long time and i'm like are we gonna see this little girl sit up and it's like how is she possibly still alive like she's she's too good a part of this movie to not be in it anymore yeah and then we see the next day it, it shows her head on the side of the road, all covered in ants. Ants factor into this movie a few times. Yeah, um, they do. Oh, blech. it's just like like the the makeup for that, or like the like the special effects to like create that head was just like it was so good, but it was like so gross and just so like intense and disturbing. Because you you know, it's not like they like slowly pan the camera over. It's just like hard jump cut, Charlie's decapitated head, and it's like. Yeah. Oh my god! Few um, scenes in the movie that were like hard cuts like that, like literally, like you flipped a switch. Kind of even like some that are just showing that we've gone from daytime to nighttime or nighttime to daytime, and it's just the flip of a switch. I love um, the way they did those scenes. That was really yeah. cool. 
But I'm just like, can you imagine being the person to like come across this head oh, on the side of the road? And, like the like you said, the the special effects or whatever, the expression on her face. Yeah. Ugh. So gruesome. I did catch one of the words on the wall. I wrote it down. It was Z A Z A S. So I just have that written down. Zaza's question mark, question mark. Oh, that was the one that I think was on Peter's wall. Oh, I didn't catch that one. I could have, I, I could be wrong about what it was, but that's what it looked like to me. I feel like he was back in school way too quickly after killing his sister. Like, 100%. get this boy therapy. Like, that's so traumatizing. Yeah, like, don't just take like a week off or whatever. Like, you can take the rest of the school year off as far as I'm concerned. So the treehouse is almost like a character in this movie. Yeah. And so we see the the mom goes up there to sleep because that's where Charlie had slept. And there's space heaters. And so quite you'll see the, the lights shining through the window, shining red. And I'm like, why do I feel like this treehouse is going to burn down? It didn't, but I had a prediction. This movie, I had a few predictions that didn't come true. I did have one that did come true. Oh. Stay tuned. Okay. After Charlie died, um, Annie tries to go back to the support group and she decides, she pulls up and then she's like, nope, I can't do it and tries to pull away. And Joan jumps out in front of the car and stops her and tries to talk her into coming in. And instantly I'm like, Joan is connected to this somehow. There is something like... My spidey senses are tingling with her. There's, there's, there's something about her. Yeah. So then she convinces Annie to come to her place, and right away Annie notices the doormat that looks like the kind that her mother used to make. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had very recently had a I'm not smart enough for this movie, and then as soon as, um, I started kind of I saw the doormat and and Annie commented on the doormat, um. I actually paused it and I had to turn to Jesse and say, okay, I have to say this out loud. <laughs> Joan is connected somehow to this, like we kind of figured out already that that Annie's mom was part of some sort of a group. And I'm like, she's part of this group and she's going to try to use this family to like, I don't know, communicate with her or something. So yeah, so she teaches her how to do a seance and conjure Charlie. And I'm like, don't do it don't do it so we're kind of simmering on that for a bit but we see a family dinner where um things finally blow up and peter's like you got something to say to me say it and so annie kind of goes up and makes it clear that she's like not forgiven him for she's like i know it's an accident but like can you just say you're sorry pretty much and uh she says and you sit there with that fucking face on your face (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> and that that was such an intense scene where she just like all this emotion that's been simmering for ages now and it just all flows out but then he says the thing that I've been thinking all along and he's like well what about you she didn't want to go to that party and you made me take her so she'd still be here if you hadn't forced me to take her yeah that and that was I'm, so weird because like so Charlie is like 13 and I would assume that Alex is like 16, 17. So, so I, so it's like, she's probably like a freshman and he's a junior or a senior. So it makes sense that they're like probably in the same high school together, 
but I don't get the impression that like they're the kind of kids who like hang out together. So it felt weird that they that she would be like, oh, like take your sister. It's like, mom, read the room. Like she wouldn't want to go to that party. No one at the party would want her there. Like, come on. I though because Peter didn't tell he was like saying like school function kind of thing. It's like a barbecue for the school and so he was trying to go to like a drinking party without telling his mom that. So she was like, well, if it's just some school function, your sister goes to that school, take her along too. And, oh, that's right. Um, yes. I forgot that he, he had lied to her. Then, so then he was kind of cornered with it. And I think the reason maybe the mom like was pushing for Charlie to go to is because she had been acting weird and kind of grumpy and stuff. And she was maybe like, you need to get out of the house and do something yeah although i do feel like acting weird is just kind of charlie's like default setting i think so too but i think like there were a couple comments that annie made that were like oh you're doing this now oh you're gonna be mad at me now or whatever yes, so like yeah. she definitely was maybe acting out a little bit more yeah that's true yeah they established right off the bat that she's maybe a little bit different like yeah the the first scene when they're going to the funeral and she's like do you know if your sister slept inside in the house last night or in her room last night? Yeah. And, and yeah, she's sleeping out in the tree house and stuff. And, you know, as a 13 year old, maybe outgrow that kind of thing. But yeah, so she's definitely established right away as an odd bird. Yeah. An odd bird. Um, <laughs> and I just had an odd comment that I'm like, you know, this is another paranormal one. And I'm starting, I'm definitely starting to feel like unsettled and it's more and more clear that paranormal stuff yeah. is what scares me nice i kind of jumped around a little bit here okay but i had originally had the the spidey senses about joan and then we see her like just show up at the grocery store and i'm like yep yeah, she is definitely suspicious absolutely um, and i'm like oh fuck the last thing this family needs is a medium don't invite anything right <laughs> Yeah, and so that that's when I paused and told Jesse, I have a prediction now about the sands. I just like one line ago said I can't figure out where this movie's going. Yeah. And now I'm I know where this is going. Joan is connected. She's teaching her how to do a seance. She's gonna try and connect with with the the grandma yeah. through the family. And then I was even like, So Joan, you said this person just showed you how to do a seance and now you're leading one that's not how that works you don't communicate through a medium and then all of a sudden you are a medium yeah like i it when you point it out it does seem like very fast like oh I, I did this thing one time i know how to do it now although i also do know people who like you know people who like every month they seem to have like a new thing where it's like i do this thing now and like this is what i'm yeah. all about i know people like that who it's like I did this one thing and now I'm going to teach people about that. And it's like, chill out here. Yeah. yeah. So Annie wakes up or has a, a dream and there's like ants crawling all over the bed and they lead her to Peter and there's ants all eating his face and stuff. The biggest ants in the world. And I'm like, I know like flies in horror movies can represent evil. Do ants represent anything? I think just bugs in general, just like creepy, crawly, gross stuff. So now 
Now, Joan after one seance is a medium. So now Annie's after one seance, a medium. Yeah, that's how that works. I don't know how any of that works. It's, um, but she they're... says to her family, please trust me. And I'm like, um, maybe don't. Yeah, about, about this, I wouldn't. No. Okay, so the video of me. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay, what is this about? Up until this point, I have been unsettled and creeped out, but not scared. Even like earlier when we saw, uh, when Annie scares herself because she sees like a apparition in oh, the corner. Yeah. And that like didn't make me jump. It, it creeped me out, but like I hadn't been scared up until this point. The thing that got me, and this is maybe, I don't know, maybe silly, but when Peter is sitting at school, and things started happening weird to him. And he looks in like a glass book case. And his reflection is smiling this like dead-eyed creepy smile at him. That made me feel some kind of way I can't even <laughs> explain. It gave me like full body goosebumps. And it just creeped the fuck out of me. And I'm like, I can't even describe the reaction my body had to that. It was... It was from there on, I was scared the whole way through. Really? Like, <laughs> it just, and this was a long movie. That was probably only about like halfway through. Yeah. But yeah, the smiling reflection, that was, you can even hear me say a little bit in that clip of the video that's on the, on the TikTok and Instagram, the smiling reflection. Um, yeah. When I was watching your video, I was like, I think I know what part she's at, but like, but then I couldn't figure out what it was that made you like jump back and like put the book over your face. Yeah, I can't even remember. It was just last night that I watched this and then like traumatized. I don't know. <laughs> and then I was trying to explain to Jesse what about that scared me. And she was kind of interpreting it more as the specific look on his face was creepy. Mm -hmm. And it was it wasn't really how he looked. It was just that there was this like different reflect. I, I can't. Yeah, I can't even really explain it. But it wasn't specifically the look on his face. It was just the moment. And it, oh, it just. Yeah, it's just, it's, me it's like subverting that, that uh, expectation. Like you expect, if you look in the mirror, you're going to see exactly what, what, yeah. what is like actually in the room or whatever. And so the fact that he is looking into the mirror, but something else is looking back out at him. Yeah, that is creepy. And then I don't have any notes for like a really long time. The next thing I've even got a comment on is um, when he's laying in bed and um he sees charlie and then all of a sudden his head is getting pulled yeah. that oh yeah i screamed out loud i actually yeah like screamed out loud at that <laughs> moment and i'm like it's in an apartment and they have all sorts of signs up about like after 10 o'clock no noise and i'm like i hope i'm not like gonna get her in trouble here <laughs> uh, and i was like i literally like feel queasy now i felt like sick to my stomach oh, wow. the whole rest of this movie like I might throw up and uh yeah so really for the rest of my notes we really I go long chunks without having a coherent thought to write down and everything's escalating pretty quickly but I um so now it's kind of just uh so Annie's tried to get her husband to throw Charlie's sketchbook in the fire and he bursts into flames yeah. I didn't expect that I was expecting that um 
he'd be okay because he's not part of the her like the hereditary part of this oh, right yeah. like he's not blood so maybe he's not going to be affected by any of this because he was this like steady presence the whole way through yeah. um so I was really surprised that he burned up like that I thought maybe even though he threw it in she was gonna combust or whatever so but then now it's just Annie and Peter in the house and she has like been possessed by this hell king yeah Paimon um and the the moment like where so she's freaking out because her husband is on fire and then all of a sudden like her face just switches again like a light switch and it's just like yeah now creepy and so she's starting to like chase Peter through the house and he comes downstairs and he sees his dad's body all charred up on the ground and then it pans out a little bit and you see Annie like up in the corner in the rafters I yelled again oh god she's up in the corner that is like one of my like horror triggers when like like when generally when there's something in the background and you don't notice it right away like we saw in Barbarian recently when like that guy was like running down the road and you didn't realize that he was running until like he was kind of right in the foreground. So that like when like you see something in the background and you don't notice it right away, that gets me. But specifically when they're like in the fucking corner on the ceiling, it just so scary. I just had a realization. The video Jesse took of me mm-hmm. isn't when Peter looked in the mirror. Okay. Or in the reflection. Um, that was the first time I felt really scared. Like that was true. Uh-huh. I must have been talking about it. And then this moment happened. Because now as I'm reading this, this is the moment that I actually like jumped out of my chair like that. Because you saw like my kind of legs jump up. Yeah. And um, so actually that moment that she she took a picture earlier and I think that was maybe more around the Peter moment but when she jumps out and starts chasing him through the house I literally just about jumped out of my chair and I think that is actually probably where the video came from okay so it all escalates very quickly I have no more notes um other yeah it it just uh oh god like (laughs) He, go, he tries to hide from her up in the attic. And we know that no good can come of this attic right now because we've already found the grandma's decapitated body. Yeah, earlier, like quite right at the beginning of the movie, an insurance adjuster calls the husband and says that the grave has been desecrated. Yeah. Um, well, so we see now that the grave got like full on dug up the body is missing well it's not missing anymore it's in your fucking attic and so peter's up trying to hide from his mom in the attic she magics her way up there (laughs) and she's raptors decapitating herself with a i think it's a piano Piano wire. wire yeah like i really from that from the point that i jumped out of my chair like that like literally watch the rest of the movie like through my notebook like <laughs> I had like, yeah through through my fingers almost yeah the the, um, the look on her face when she's doing that she's just like yeah like so good like she's fully possessed and yeah. decapitating oneself and then he's like 
fuck this shit and he jumps out the window yeah. and you think that he I mean I could have gone either way with knowing that he was being like okay well yeah everybody dies this is writing was on the wall yeah. that everybody's gonna die in this movie but we did see something earlier about needing a male body for this um this paimon is that what it's paimon yeah to inhabitate or whatever so yeah he's laying there having just jumped out the attic window and you see this little like light orb that we've seen a couple times in the movie and it, it goes like into his body this time though and then he lifts it up and oh he's fine and he sees his decapitated mother floating up into the uh, tree house and has to go investigate and I mean like <laughs> he's possessed now yeah it's not of his own volition I don't think but so now we see naked guy in the treehouse. I'm like, okay, here's naked guy in the treehouse. Yeah. And all these like disciples of his grandma, who was the queen, apparently are there. And somebody's talking to him in this soothing voice, explaining what's going on. And they put a crown on him and, and everybody's dead. But now he's the king of hell. The end. Yeah. Happily ever after, yeah, I guess. That's right. <laughs> and then we cut to the credits where both sides now by Judy Collins is playing. And I'm like, <laughs> thank God for that. I love that song so much yeah. and it was stuck in my head the whole drive home and I'm like this is this is good I this is what should be in my head not anything that happened before it anyway yeah so sorry for a somewhat disjointed um I guess mine all are who are we kidding I really struggled with what to give this because like it was very upsetting yep I did not necessarily enjoy watching it um it scared the shit out of me, though, and I had to give it, like, lots of credit for how much it scared me. Yeah. Um, so after a lot of, like, soul-searching and thinking, I actually ended up giving this 8 out of 10 doormats. Wow, nice. It was the it was the scariest movie we've watched. Though. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. I'm so proud of myself that I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's that. Awesome. Um, so I did do... Um... A googling about the the Zaza Z A Z A S, um, and it is um, just an invocation for when you're summoning a demon. You kind of like use that word with the demon name, and then it'll summon that demon. So that explains why that was written on uh, on his door or on his wall. So Paimon is a, a real demon. Um, if you like believe in demonology and believe that these can be real, like Paimon is. A real demon. Um, he is one of the ten kings of hell. The symbol throughout this, uh, throughout the film that you see, it's kind of etched in the walls. And Annie and her mom and all the cultists have like a necklace of it. It's kind of got like the lines with the little like circles on it. That is an actual like symbol that is associated with Paimon in real life. Um, they just changed it a little bit for the movie so that they didn't like curse themselves or like summon a demon or whatever. But um, the the magic in the film is all based on theories and practices uh, that Aleister Crowley had used in like the twenties and thirties, I think um, as part of the uh, like the thematic order of the golden dawn. I think he's like a big occultist. I don't know if he's like known outside of weirdo witchy world, but Aleister <coughs> Crowley is like a big name in the occult uh, world. And so this is all kind of based on like Crowley magic. Weirdo witchy world. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I don't know anything about any of that kind of Those were all just words. <laughs> ah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, 
That's interesting, though. Like, I don't know how much I believe in any of that kind of stuff. But if I were making a movie about, like, occult kind of stuff, I don't think I would pull from anything real. Because I would be like, this is just asking for trouble. Yeah. To someone that follows a bit of, not not a demonology path, but, you know, the weirdo witchy world. I like how it was something that I could kind of, like relate to it's like oh i i know these concepts i know i understand what they're doing and i understand they're like fucking around with some heavy shit here so like i know that things are not going to end well for them yeah it was a very heavy movie for sure and it was like a slow burn at first we've had a couple like that that are like it's a slow burn but then when shit starts getting real then it's like boom 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 yeah it's interesting because it's almost like it's three different movies like it starts out and it's like, um, like you have this mom who died, and even at like the the way her daughter eulogizes her, says there's a lot of strangers here today. I don't know a lot of the people here. Yeah. And then so it's sort of kind of this mystery. And then it's like, oh god, this kid gets killed, and so that's just like gross out horror. And then this woman approaches Annie, and they're oh they're going to do a séance. Okay, we're going to talk. This is going to be a ghost movie. And then mm-hmm. the then the, the kind of the last third is like no there's demons and possessions and you are like the embodiment of one of the kings of hell like it's like these three different kind of themes in one movie that's interesting yeah um and even for a while there like after charlie dies you go a long time where there's no paranormal stuff happening yeah Yeah. all right well that's enough of that one (laughs) for our next episode we are getting close to birthday time, our one week apart birthdays. Yes. So we're going to have a birthday episode. We're going to have a birthday party. Hey, We'll have to make cake. Yes, with walnuts. Absolutely. <laughs> so what did you pick for me for a birthday? So this might be a bit of a weird uh, choice, but I picked the Omen, the original 1970 whatever Omen. Um, And if anyone is familiar with the movie, they are familiar with a very infamous birthday scene in that movie um, that I quote all the time. Uh, So, so uh, we are going to watch The Omen and I am looking forward to it. It usually goes the other way around where we watch movies that I've picked and you're like, oh, this is where all the quotes you say. Yeah. (laughs) So I picked for you Wine Country. Okay. 40-year-old something, 40-something-year-old ladies on a birthday trip. Thank you, Laura, for watching this video of me while I'm talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, You can rate and review and subscribe on all your favorite podcatchers. If you could take a minute out right now and just give us a five-star review, a couple of kind words, it really goes a long way to helping us uh, get noticed by... Lots more weirdos out there. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Love and Horror Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Deanne Teresa. I'm on Instagram at Calamity underscore Laura. Uh, you can send us an email at loveandhorrorpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Tink Tonk at uh, Love and Horror. Tink Tonk. And if you want to send us a couple of bucks, you can do that at our coffee page, which is ko fi dot com slash love and horror podcast so until next time thanks for listening and remember all is fair in love and horror
I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable there. Grandma, put your top back on. What is going on? <laughs>